Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry of Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out thelivingroomatl.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. TLR, how are we feeling? Y'all good over there? Good all around. This is like 360 here. We don't have people sitting behind me, but that's cool. Um, but hey, welcome to the Living Room. It's great to see all of you here tonight. And uh, if we've never met before, my name is Matt, and I get to lead uh, the Living Room here at Buckhead Church with an incredible team of people. And I'm super excited uh, for the rest of the tonight. It's already been an amazing start. Thank you guys again for leading us so strong. Um, but I'm also excited for some things that are coming up here at the Living Room. There's uh, some really, really awesome, amazing nights ahead on the schedule at the Living Room. And one in particular that I just wanna take a second to highlight is uh, next Monday at the Living Room, October 7th, we're having a house party. So we have a, a graphic right there. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Awesome. It's gonna be what it is. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be hype. Tonight, we kind of brought it back with acoustic vibes, which is amazing. Sometimes these are the most special nights of the semester. I'm just telling you that. Like These are, can be the most memorable. Um, but next week, it's going all the way up. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be a party. There's gonna be surprises coming your way. So I'm telling you, you do not wanna miss it. It's a night that you don't wanna miss, but it's also a night that you don't want your friends to miss. So I'm telling you, invite whoever, Like clear your schedule. In fact, at the end of the night, um, or not at the end of the night, but throughout this week, rather. Um, we are going to be posting stuff in our Instagram story um, that's going to give you an opportunity to, you know, screenshot it and repost it and tag it and invite your friends. So we would love for you to do that next week, house party at the living room. It's going to be amazing. But back to tonight. Tonight, uh, we are in part two of this series called Unashamed. And it's a series that we kicked off last week. And it's a series where we're going through one of the most important documents ever written. And it was the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends at the church in Rome. And it's a letter that we now know as the book of Romans. And the title of this series, Unashamed, comes straight from the text. It comes straight from Romans chapter one, verse 16, which is kind of the theme verse for the rest of the book. And this is what the apostle Paul writes. He says this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed or I'm unashamed of the gospel. As we talked about last week, um, that word gospel literally means good news. What is the good news that Paul is unashamed of? Well, he's unashamed of the good news of Jesus. That if you put your faith and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then you can be saved from your sin. Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel of the good news because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He said, this gospel, this good news is the power of God that can bring salvation to everyone who believes, not just to a couple people who believe or a select group or the people that have kind of their lives together who believe, no, to everyone who believes. And so tonight we get to continue in part two of this uh, conversation. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I thought I'd start off tonight by just kind of telling you guys something and some of you are gonna be able to relate. Some of you are gonna be like, I'm, I don't feel you on that. And it's, uh, it's this, I, I love to sleep. Anybody in the room? Okay. Couple people in the room already, amen, and that's amazing. I really do, I love sleeping, I love like a, a power nap, like I'm all here for a power nap, you know, like I can cr crush it. I'm really good at sleeping, like it's like literally a passion and a hobby of mine. I hope to always be really good at it. I can fall asleep like anytime, anywhere. And so I just, I, I love sleep, I do. Um, always have, hope to always, you know, stay that way. Um, but recently, like as of maybe two months ago or so, I set out to, to in, uh, incorporate this new habit in my life called waking up early. And I, I, yeah, I'm just gonna be real. It, it's not going great so far. Like it hasn't been um, going really, really well. Uh, in fact, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when I just kind of started trying to like incorporate this habit into my life, um, I, I set my alarm for 5.30 in the morning. And 
I know, it's crazy. Um, that's my first mistake. And my second mistake was I didn't tell my wife, Ann, that, that I was gonna set my alarm for that time and get up early. So like, she's thinking it's just gonna be a normal routine, like 7.15, maybe 7.30, you know? Like, and so that was kinda, you know, that's, that's where I went wrong already. But what happened was the next morning I wake up and I look at my, my phone and, and I'm like, oh, it's like 7.30. Like, I must have not set my alarm, uh, you know, like clearly, cause I would have heard it. There's no way I would have overslept that much. I didn't hear a thing all night. So like, that's interesting. And so I get up, I'm like, it's cool tomorrow. Like, it'll be a new day. I'll wake up, I'll get going tomorrow. It'll be better, you know? And so I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm just starting my day off, you know, I'm fine. And like, I'm getting my daughter Willow ready for, for school and everything like that. And then I, I noticed that Anne is, is not good. Like, she's pretty frustrated and pretty annoyed. And in fact, I would say like on the verge of possibly being like kind of angry, you know? And uh, I'm kind of like, hey, like, what's up? You know, did you not sleep well or like bad dreams? And she's like, no, no, no. I slept great up until about 5.30 in the morning. And then your stinking alarm from 5.30 to 7.30 kept going off about every eight to 10 minutes. And you kept clicking the snooze button thinking you're gonna get up. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, whoa, like, hold up. That's the second time I've hit the whoa this semester, by the way. I'm like, listen, you're making accusations that are false, okay? Like, my alarm didn't go off. You're telling me for two hours the alarm was going off and I didn't hear it, like, unconsciously, I just was hitting snooze. Like, you're crazy, you know? So we're having this healthy debate. Like, it's great. It's a healthy debate. Um, not an argument, just a healthy debate. And uh, I, I get to work and I'm pretty annoyed that she's like made these accusations. I'm kind of frustrated at myself. And I'm like, wow, like what happened? And then the morning goes by and lunchtime comes and lunch comes. And for, for some reason, like I went to, I was telling a story to somebody at lunch in like our break room. And, uh, and they're like, hey man, like show me a picture of that. So I pull up my phone and I, and I pull up my, I go to look at my camera roll. And, and this is the picture I see on my camera roll right here. Yeah. I don't know if you like know what this is, but my first thought was literally Ann went and screenshotted my alarm a bunch of times while I was getting my daughter Willow ready this morning. Like that's, that's too far, Ann. And then I went and looked and you can't see it on this right here, but each photo was taken from 5.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m., spaced out about eight to 10 minutes apart. What I realized was that I, without even knowing it, had clicked the snooze button 11 times and every single time I did, I screenshotted on my phone. Like I went like this and it screenshotted. 11 times, y'all, 11 times. Like that's insane. And I wish I could tell you that from that day forward, it's been better. And every single morning I've woke up at 5.30 a.m. when my alarm goes off. But I gotta be honest, I can't lie up here. Like most days have looked similar to this. Okay, this morning was only two, so I'm making progress. Work with me, okay? But here's, thank you. <laughs> but here's the reason I share that with you. Because I don't understand why it keeps looking like this when I wake up in the morning. Like, like I, I do understand it, but I don't understand it. Because I'm like, Matt, just, just, just get up. When the alarm goes off, just get up. You know why you're waking up early. It's so that you can get your day started off on the right foot. You know the benefits of it. Stop clicking the snooze button. Stop being lazy. Just get up, Matt. What are you doing? But yet every single morning, it seems that I keep making the same decision over and over and over again, even though I know it is not going to lead me to where I wanna be. And here's the reason I start off tonight with, with that story. It's because I got a feeling that almost all of you, if not all of you in the room can relate. You know what it's like in life to wanna make a change, 
to wanna go a different way, to wanna go down a different path, but yet you find yourself over and over and over again doing the same thing that's leading you to an undesirable outcome. And you're like, why, why do I keep doing this? Maybe for you, it's like waiting till the night before the test to study. Like you have this terrible habit of just waiting until the very last minute to study. And you keep telling yourself like, I need to prepare in advance. I need to prepare in advance. And then it's the day of the test. And you're like, why did I do this again? And maybe for you, it's not that. Maybe for you, it's like you have this guy or girl that you really like, right? And you've texted them like two times already in the last 20 minutes. And you're like, I know I shouldn't text them again. Like the third time I shouldn't triple text them, but I really wanna get a response. I'm gonna text them again. Hey, are you there? And they're like, hey, I'm working, chill. And you're like, why did I do that again? Maybe for you, it's an irresponsible purchase. Like, come on, you know you don't need to be spending any more money right now. Like you've already hit your mark this month, but then that ad on Instagram pops up for those shoes and you're like, yo, they're half off. It'd be dumb not to buy them. And so you buy them and now you gotta like fast from dinner for the next three nights. But you're like, just counting down the days till Monday when it's the living room and it's free Chick-fil-A, you know, like holding out for that. See, we all know what it's like to have something in our lives that we so badly wanna overcome, but we feel like we can't. And that's what I wanna talk about for the next few minutes tonight. I wanna talk about the thing that keeps you where you are versus where you wanna be. I wanna talk about sin tonight. And the question that I wanna ask you is this question right here. How do we overcome sin in our lives? that seems impossible to overcome? How in the world do we go about overcoming sin in our lives, continual sin in our lives that seems impossible to overcome? That's good, we're gonna get to that. The Apostle Paul speaks into this in Romans chapter seven, verse 15, he can relate, look at what he says right here. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. I bet some of you are like, wow, I never knew the Bible was so relatable. Like this should be my life verse. I'm gonna go add this to my Instagram bio right now. In fact, like Romans 7, 15, people are gonna look it up and be like, oh, that must be like a cool, inspiring verse. And then they're gonna be like, oh, I see what that verse is. Like Paul's like, I don't, I don't understand. Like the things I want to do that I know I should do, I can't do. But then the things that I don't wanna do are the things that I keep on doing. I, I don't get this and I hate how relatable this verse is for me personally. Like for myself, I hate that I continually get frustrated with people that I love. I hate that over and over again, I say things that I know I'm gonna regret. Even in the moment as I'm saying them, I'm like, I'm gonna regret this later, I'm gonna regret this later, and then I say it. I hate that over and over again, I find myself comparing my life to other people's, usually through Instagram. And then that leads to jealousy. I hate that. I hate feeling envious of other people. I hate that. I find myself falling over and over again into selfishness, into selfish ways of thinking that lead to selfish attitudes and selfish actions in my life. I hate that. Maybe for you, you're like, well, I, I hate that at the end of every weekend on like Sunday morning when I wake up and I start to sober up that I think, why did I do that again? For some of you, I'm sorry, I'm coming in tonight. <laughs> Just being real. Stick with me, stick with me. Some of you are like, why did I do that again? I hate that I did that again. Man, why did I go over there again? Why, why did I say that again? Man, I hate that I allowed myself to look at that again. I hate that I allowed myself to let that insecurity creep in in my life again. I hate that. 
I hate that. Paul goes on and he says this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So I think when we say, I hate that part of myself, sometimes we don't even know what we're referring to. We're just like, man, I hate that. I hate that I do this. I hate that part of myself. And sometimes we're like, I don't even really know what I'm saying I hate, but I just, I hate that. I hate this feeling. I hate that I keep like doing this. I hate that. And I think what Paul is saying is, hey, I can relate. And what you're maybe describing is you hate your sinful nature. See, Paul is not saying here that he doesn't take responsibility for his actions. He's just saying that we all have this sinful nature that keeps drawing us back to the things we know we shouldn't be doing. He goes on in the next verse, look what he says, verse 20. He says, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul's like, man, we all have this sinful nature and I hate that. He goes on just a few verses later and he gets to this point where he says, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. He gets to this point where he is so frustrated. He is so annoyed with himself. He's so discouraged in the moment that he's just like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Why can't I get my act together in life? I don't understand. And maybe you've been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. You're like, man, I have this continued sin in my life and it's causing a lot of destruction, honestly. And maybe you're at the point where you're like, I'll do whatever it takes. Honestly, I will literally do whatever it takes to overcome this sin, this continued destructive sin in my life. And I think what maybe Paul would say to you is, hey, it may not be a what that breaks the cycle of destructive sin in your life, but it might be a who. It might not be a what, like what do you need to do? What do you need to start listening to? You know, what people do you need to be around? What songs do you need to be singing? But it might be a who. In fact, look what he says in the next verse. He says this, check this out. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul's like, who can rescue me from this way of living? Who can do it? And he goes on, he says, thanks be to God who delivers. That word delivers means to be set free from. Thanks be to God who sets me free from the sinful nature. From the sinful nature that he describes just a little bit earlier in his letter in Romans chapter six, verse two, check this out. Look at what Paul says. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul says, this is what Jesus Christ can set you free from, your sin. And when Jesus sets you free from your sin and your sinful nature, it doesn't mean that sin is now extinct in your life. It just means that sin is no longer your master, that you don't have to live your life being controlled by your sinful nature any longer. He goes on, verse three. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The word baptized means to be placed into. He says, don't you know that when you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, keep going. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul says, hey, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you now can live a new life. Everything that is now true of Jesus, when you're in Christ, everything that is true of Jesus can be true of you also. That you no longer have to be controlled by this sinful nature. It is no longer your master. You can live a different way. You are now under new management, if you will. Verse five, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Keep going. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. We can put that aside. And that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Again, when you're in Christ, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, everything that is true of Jesus can be true of you. You no longer have to be a slave to sin like you once were. You can step away from that old way of life. Verse eight, Paul says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Like once you defeated death once, you don't have to do it again. That's what Paul's saying here. He's like, Jesus Christ has defeated death once and for all. Death no longer has mastery over him. Therefore, death can no longer have mastery over you. Sin no longer is your master. It keeps going. The next verse, Paul says this. In the same way, verse 11, the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Keep going, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, hey, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, maybe it's time that you realize you are dead to sin. Again, sin's not extinct in your life, but you're no longer controlled by it. Sin is no longer your master because you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. So there's three things I want you to lean into and do tonight. The first is I want you to declare that sin is not your master. In fact, right now, tonight, we're just gonna say this out loud right now. I just want you on the count of three with me to say, sin, you are not my master. Out loud on the count of three, one, two, three. Sin, you're not my master. Now I want you to say it in a whisper on the count of three. One, two, three. Sin, you're not my master. Now this might seem strange, but I promise there's a purpose to it. I just want you now to say it under your breath like the person next to you can't even hear it. On the count of three, one, two, three. Here's why I just walked us through that activity. Because there are gonna be moments in life where you're gonna be all alone in your room and you're gonna be tempted to do something. And in that moment in your room when you're by yourself, you can out loud say that. You can say, sin, you're not my master. Sin, you are not my master. But then there are gonna be other moments in life where you're in the library studying and you're on your computer and something pops up and you're tempted to look at it. And in that moment, it's gonna be really weird if you're like, hey, sin, you're not my master. And everyone's like, whoa, you good? <laughs> like, don't do that. But in that moment, underneath your breath, you can surely say to yourself, sin, you're not my master. You're not my master. I want you to declare that over your life. Sin, you are not my master. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to decide to not let sin reign in your body. You decide who controls you. You decide what controls you, not sin. Paul goes on, verse 12. He says this, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. He says, you decide, not sin. Can I tell you a couple things about sin really quick? Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Sin will always overpromise and underdeliver. Sin is a terrible master because sin kills every good thing in your life. Sin always comes with a plus one and it's death. Think about it. When you fall into the sin of gossip, what dies? Relationships. When you fall into the sin of jealousy, what dies? Your self-worth, pride, friendships, lust and porn. 
your future intimacy. Drugs and alcohol, come on, the list goes on and on. What could die there? Literally, people could die. My cousin a few months ago died in a drug deal gone bad and took his life. Just because there's grace for you in your life when you mess up and there's grace, it doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Some of you in the room tonight, that's been your excuse for a while. Like, yeah, yeah, I have this sin, like I get it, but there's grace, grace, right? Like uh, grace upon grace upon grace, yeah, yeah, there is. But it doesn't mean there aren't consequences. It doesn't mean some things in your life might not die because of the choices that you've made. Sin always comes with a plus one and it's death. It always overpromises and underdelivers. The next thing I wanna tell you is that temptation is a trap, not a prison. Some of you, myself included, when temptation comes, we just surrender to it immediately. It's like, oh, temptation, I gotta fall into it, it's a prison. No, temptation is a trap, not a prison. And a trap is something you can see. A trap is something that you can go around. A trap is something that you don't have to step into time and time and time again. Some of you, you're just surrendering to your temptation. You're not struggling with your temptations. And part of the reason is, is some of you are ashamed of the struggle. And I just wanna tell you, don't be ashamed of the struggle. I heard an illustration one time from a guy named Ben Stewart. He's a great pastor. And he said it this way a few years ago. He said, uh, think about a war, like on the battlefield. On the battlefield in a war, the, 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 the people, the soldiers who, who are completely unaware of the struggle, they're the people that are dead. Like they're laying on the battlefield dead and they are totally unaware of whatever is going on because they're dead. But the soldiers who are fighting, the ones who are alive, they see the enemy. They know the pressures. They're struggling why? Because they're alive. Might I suggest to you tonight that the struggle in your life might be your greatest assurance that you're alive. So don't be ashamed of the struggle. For some of you tonight, the, the encouragement that you need is to keep struggling, to keep fighting, to struggle well. Don't be ashamed of the struggle. The struggle might be the greatest assurance that you're alive, that you're moving forward, that you're fighting, that you're on the right path. Third thing I want you to do is I want you to devote yourselves to God. I want you to devote yourselves to God. Paul says this in verse 13 as we begin to wrap up. He says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Paul says, hey, devote yourselves to God. Devote your, your eyes to God. Devote your hands to God. Devote your feet to God. Say, God, lead me where you want me to go. Take my hands and allow them to do what you want them to do. Don't let me keep typing in and searching those things anymore. God, I'm devoting my eyes to you. I'm devoting my thoughts to you. Devote yourselves to God. So there's three things. I wanna summarize them for you. The first is this. I want you to de declare that sin is not your master. Decide to not let sin reign in your body and devote yourselves to God. Declare, decide, and devote. If you do those three things, then I'm telling you, you're gonna be on a path of being able to say these words right here, that I am dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Sin, you are not my master. I'm dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Sin, you are not my master. A couple of years ago, um, we moved in, my wife and I moved into our first house. 
And we moved into our house, we were super excited. And, uh, and one of the things about owning a home is like you, you have neighbors and I'm really, I was like pumped about that. Like I was, you know, like I'm gonna be a great neighbor. I'm gonna get to know my neighbors, it's gonna be awesome. And the neighbors on this side of our house we're awesome. Like there are, there are people, we love them. They're great. Like, you know, I, the dude is so cool. And I'm always like trying to hang out with him, but he's, he's way cooler than I am. So he never really wants to hang out. Taylor, I love you. Um, <laughs> but then the, the neighbors on this side, when we first moved in, they, uh, they were okay. They weren't great. Um, and the reason they weren't great is because they had this tendency, especially on the weekends, to wanna like um, stay up super late when, when everyone else is going to bed and to wanna turn up music to where the whole neighborhood knows that um, there's a music festival happening. Like they wanted to have music midtown every weekend in their backyard and I wasn't here for it. And so literally this happened time and time again, like a couple times. And there was a couple times when Ann was like, hey, you should probably go say something. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. And like, we wouldn't sleep all night. And I was like, That's, this is not fun. And so then it kept happening time and time again. And it was like literally the third or fourth time um, that it happened and uh, at three in the morning, like normal, we, we kind of hear the music click on and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this this time. I'm not doing this. So I get up and I kind of walk to the door and uh, I'm, I'm about to go outside and like have a word with them. And then I'm just like, I'm just gonna stand here for a second so that Ann thinks I go outside, but I'm really not going to. And then I walk back in, I'm like, it's taken care of. We had a convo, <laughs> they know the scoop, you know? And we go back to bed and like an hour later, she's like, it must've not been too firm because they're still out there, you know? I'm like, yep, they are. So now it's like 4.30 in the morning and she's like, just go. I'm like, just give it 20 more minutes. They're, they'll go inside. Like at this point, like they've, they've, I don't, they're not, like they can't keep, stay awake. Like it's 4.30 in the morning, five o'clock rolls around. The sun is starting to come up. I'm not making this up. And now like I'm heated, like I've had enough. Like Anna's like, go. I'm like, listen, I'm going. So I go outside. As soon as I get out there, the yard is clear. The music is off. I'm like, what happened? And I literally stand there, not kidding you, not making this up. I stare at their house and just stare in their windows. <laughs> really creepy. I never saw them. I don't think they ever saw me. I said a few words. They were kind words, but I won't tell you what I said. And I just stood there and took a stand. And from that day forward, they never came back out. I'm convinced that like they saw me from the window and they're like, oh, yo, he's serious. We can't do this anymore. In fact, a couple months later, they moved out. They were gone. And I'm like, yeah, let's go, you know? But here's why I share that with you. I took a stand that night. And for some of you tonight, tonight is the night where for too long, you've just been letting things go and you've been like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a change. I'm gonna do something. Then you're like, oh, no, no, no. You're like, oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna... No, no, tonight's the night that you need to take a stand. Like, you need to work up some courage and you need to take a step and you just need to step out and take a stand and look sin straight in the face and say, hey, I'm not moving. Like I'm overcoming this. I'm doing whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I, I told you at the start of the night and Ben, you guys can come join me whenever, I don't know where you guys are at, but Ben, you can come back up here. I told you guys at the start of the night that uh, I've been struggling waking up early and I, I told a good friend of mine about this struggle and I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel so defeated and discouraged. And I, I don't know that I'm gonna ever be able to like get there and, and overcome this, you know? And so he kind of just heard me out and he's like, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And he's really good at this. Like he has some really 
amazing disciplines and habits in his life that I admire. So I listened to what he said and he kind of encouraged me and I was like, cool. And I drove home and I'm like, that was great encouragement, but I'm still probably not gonna wake up early tomorrow morning. You know, I'm gonna have screenshots on my phone of me snoozing my alarm again. Sure enough, the next morning I did. But that night, a, a box shows up on my front porch. And I'm like, what, what is this? This massive box from Amazon, which isn't that unusual. Like I have boxes show up on my front porch, you know, often that I don't know what it is. And I'm like, oh yeah, I ordered that. And, and so I go and I look at the box and I open it up. And what's inside the box was, was this right here. It was this coffee maker, which to you, you're like, okay, big deal. My friend had sent me this coffee maker. And on top of it, he put a note and he said, hey, tomorrow morning, wake up, brew the coffee, and win the day. Tomorrow morning, wake up, get the coffee brewing, find some motivation, like put some good stuff in you to wake you up and go out and win the day, go fight. And tonight, come on, there's some of you in the room that you feel so discouraged, you feel so frustrated, you feel so annoyed and alone, and you just feel beat down. Like you're like, man, I, I can't even stand. And tonight, I just wanna encourage you and say, come on, wake up, get the coffee brewing and go win the day, go start fighting. Life is too short to let sin just have a hold on you and just keep just falling into it time and time again. And tonight for some of you is the night where you take a stand and you fight and you go win the day, starting tomorrow, starting tonight. How are you gonna do that? Well, you're gonna remind yourself of the words that God has spoken over you. You're gonna remind yourself of who he is. You're gonna remind yourself that he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. That's who he is. Come on, I'm gonna say that again. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. I forgot one, he's a light in the darkness. That is who he is. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. Heavenly Father, tonight, there are hundreds and hundreds of people in the room that are saying we are taking a stand tonight. We're believing God, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. And no longer are we gonna let sin rule in our lives. No longer are we gonna be overcome by this continual sin time and time and time again. But tonight, we're gonna say, Jesus, you are the way maker. Even when I don't see a way, even when I don't think it's possible, you can make a way. God, you're the miracle worker. You can do something in my life that I don't expect. You're the promise keeper. You come through time and time and time again. You're light in the darkness, that's who you are. 